two brief scripture passages. The first is from Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And from the gospel according to St. Luke, the first chapter. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her, who was called, called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Before we begin the sermon, I would like to take just a moment to thank our worship team, our musicians. I don't know about you, but uh, within the Christian church, the, the message of the gospel really has been carried in songs and psalms and hymns down through the years, all the way from King David on. And uh, <clears throat> I remember, <clears throat> I remember as a child hearing on the radio the Stamps Baxter Quartet and uh, that marvelous bass that, uh, that led them. From the paths of sin, bring a wonder into the master's fold to stay. Now you know I can't sing. <laughs> but that powerful message of a song that uh, really is about serving Jesus with a smile really is something that, that I've remembered down through the years. And uh, that's what we're called to do, is to serve Jesus with a smile. Remember, back in the days when I, when I retired for the second time, uh, this time from the church and from the congregation that I was serving, we were really church homeless for a while. 
because we wanted to stay members of the congregation that I served, but the people needed to understand that um, I was no longer the pastor. And they needed to get on with it. They needed to, to follow their hopes and their dreams. They needed to move into the next stage of their, of their church and their church's life. And so for about a year, we were church homeless. We wandered around to the various churches in, in our area. And uh, on a Sunday in Advent, uh, we were visiting a church of a friend of mine. And in the midst of the sermon, he said, uh, do you know what the blue color in the Advent candles or on the decorations on the altar really signify? And there was absolute silence. And the congregation sort of looked like a, a deer caught in the headlight. And uh, finally, I raised my hand and said, the Virgin Mary and the, the startled look transferred from the congregation to the pastor. <laughs> and he said, no, no. He said, it stands for hope. But you know, when you come right down to it, blue is the color that is traditionally associated with the Virgin Mary. And uh, you may have noticed that the Virgin Mary does have something to do with Advent and Christmas. The Christmas story begins a little bit ahead of what we normally talk about. The Christmas story begins with an angel appearing to a young lady in the city of Nazareth. That must have been a startling occurrence. Can you imagine having an angel appear in your front living room? I guess it depends on what sort of a guise the, the angel appears in, whether he appears as a human or whether he appears as a full-blown, honest-to-goodness angel. If he appeared as a, as a human being, I think the, the first reaction would be, uh, how did you get in here? And, and what are you in here for? If he appeared as a real honest-to-goodness angel, I think probably the first uh, reaction that you would have is, whoa, what did I do wrong this time? Seems that every time an angel appears in the Bible, the very first words out of his mouth has to be, don't be scared, because that's our normal reaction, I think. But it wasn't just the appearance of the angel, it was the, the angel's message. He says to this young woman, you're gonna have a baby. You're gonna have a baby, and that baby is going to be the Messiah. The words that the angel used to describe this child, the inheritor, of the throne of David, the son of God. Even the name given to this child, Jesus, in Hebrew, Yeshua, Savior. It's the same name that was given to Joshua in the Old Testament. 
Joshua, the one who led the people of God across the Jordan River and into the promised land. I'm sure that Mary understood right away this wasn't going to be an ordinary child. Stop and think of all of the implications of, uh, of this message that the angel delivered. First of all, the angel is telling Mary, who happens to be very young, you know, we always picture Mary as a, as a lady in her 20s, don't we? I mean, look at the paintings that have been done down through the years. She was probably 14, 15 years old. And now, now God is going to take his son who, in whose hands the fate of the entire world rests and hand him over to a 15-year-old, right? But it's not just that. Mary, like uh, her ancestress Sarah, probably understood a whole lot more about biology than she did about theology. And uh, she asked a very, very practical question. How's this going to be? How's this going to happen? How's it going to take place? And the angel answers not so much in biological terms, but in theological terms. This child is going to have the DNA of both God and human beings. This child is going to be totally, absolutely God, and at the same time is going to be totally human. But it's not just a question of biology, it's also a question of law, because uh, Mary was legally married. In those days, marriage took place in sort of two steps. The first step was an agreement between the families. They got together and uh, they made a legal agreement. Now, this young girl, and stop and think about it. If you're a 10-year-old girl and you're looking forward within four years of being married and having a baby, that's true in that day and age. The families make an agreement the girl is probably going to stay with her parents for another year, two years, until her husband gets to the point where he can actually support a family. And then he and his friends will come and they will have a marriage celebration. And then he will take his bride to the home that he has prepared for her. But the point is that Mary is legally married when this angel comes to her and says, you're going to have a baby. She's in a terrible quandary. I mean, what is her future going to be like? 
How is she going to explain all of this to Joseph? Is she going to be the subject of gossip and scorn? Is she going to have to face life as a, as a single mom? What is her future going to be like? And yet, with all of the implications of this, Mary is willing to place herself totally, absolutely, into the hands of God and to simply say, I am your servant. I am the servant of the Lord my God. I will do what you ask of me. You know, when you come right down to it, I think that may be the most important thing about Mary altogether. Mary is the very first one who is involved with the Christ. She is, in a sense, when you come right down to it, the very first Christian because she is the one who now is going to serve God by caring and bearing this child, this child who is the Son of God. What is the real, the real meaning of Christmas? It's more than the story of, uh, of a young couple and a baby in the less than hygienic circumstances of an inn yard, a corral, a place for animals. When you come right down to it, it's God breaking into our world. The uh, predecessor, or my predecessor, as uh, the manager of the print shop at the, uh, at the seminary, came in one day and asked if he could use our press. He wanted to run off a handful of Christmas cards. And one of them I have remembered down through the years. It was a very simple card. It had on the outside just a, a line drawing of a manger. And you opened it up and there were no words, just a semicircle, a half circle to represent a hill, and on top of it, three crosses. That's the meaning of Christmas. This child who is born on Christmas Eve is destined to hang on a cross on Good Friday for this, our sake, for the sake of the sins of the entire world. We gather together to celebrate Christmas and to remember those events that took place 2,000 years ago in that animal enclosure behind the inn in Bethlehem. But at the same time, 
we need to remember it's more than remembering. We need to understand that we ourselves are confronted by Christmas. And we must understand what Christmas means within our own lives. How Christmas plays out for us because God took upon himself human flesh. He became like us. He got hungry. He got thirsty. He wept. He was tempted as we are tempted. He handled it probably a whole lot better than, than we do. God came into this world for our sake. He gave us forgiveness so that we might have hope. This young woman gave her life to God. This young woman simply placed herself, her hands, her future into the hands of God trusted in God. And she serves as an example to us. Mary in those days couldn't see far into the future. She couldn't see the agony that she was going to go through as she watched her son die on a cross. And yet, even in these early moments, she was willing to place herself into the hands of God. And that's why Mary serves as an example to you and to me. We too are called to place ourselves into the hands of God. To have that same level of trust that this young teenager had to follow into the footsteps of God. A whole future opened up for Mary, a future that, that she couldn't conceive of at the very beginning. A whole future opens up for us. And Mary invites us into this daring step to simply trust where God is leading us and to have the faith that she had to dare to trust in God. Amen.